Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog listeners, how are you? Boy, do I have an interesting and exciting person that I want you to meet. Marion Belandra, just to give me a little background, serial entrepreneur, all right, not bad. Woman Tech Global Ambassador, okay, I'm getting impressed. UN Youth Global Advocate, now I'm really impressed. Power Connector in Building Relationships and Partnership Channels for Business Development, Startup Advisor and Consulting Resource, Founder of Stormars Tech, and there's more behind it. But that's, okay, that's great. We run across lots of those every day. Why is Marion here with me? Marion posted an article or a perspective on something that's going on in call centers in the Philippines that got my blood boiling. And for those of you who know me, it takes a lot to get my blood boiling. And I said, this is a story that has to be told. So I asked Marion, hey, would you mind telling that story on a podcast? And she very, very, very graciously accepted. So everybody, I want you to meet Marion. How you doing? Hey, nice to meet you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for having me, John. My pleasure. So Marion, help, help people understand your background because by itself, your background's personal. It is, it, is kind of, um, it is kind of impressive. So spend a minute, introduce yourself to folks, let them get a sense of, of the things you've done, um, and definitely talk about your daughters. Otherwise, you can't be here. Oh, my daughter. <laughs> so uh, my name is Marion Belandra. I'm a 41-year-old mother of three. I have one daughter and two sons. I uh, was born in the Philippines um, and grew up in San Mateo um, in the Silicon Valley and uh, pursued uh, numerous businesses and uh, realized that, you know, I'm a single mother and had to switch uh, a couple of careers. Um, you know, fast forward to be today, um, I run as a CEO and founder of Star Mars Incorporated, which is an IT consulting company in the Bay Area. Um, I am a women in tech and women leadership um, ambassador spoke at many, many conferences uh, to empower and inspire a lot of women around the world, specifically in tech. Um, I sit on a couple of advisory boards for a lot of business development um, investment funds, including uh, one that's based out of uh, London and Africa called Ubuntu Investment. Um, and right now, I have just conceived my very first startup that is based in the Philippines um, for the Filipinos called Meridian Remote Teams. And Wait, why'd you get there? What happened? What, what made this happen? This is really cool. Right. So I, you know, working as CEO of StarMars, um, I saw the need for outsourcing. There were a lot of my clients who I saw, you know, needed a scale. I, since I'm a startup advisor, there's a lot of them that come to me about the options to scale and, you know, naturally outsourcing you know, is the next big, big thing. And, you know, I, being the way I am, love understanding, um, you know, processes. And so I got more and more involved in the outsourcing um, or the BPO, what they call, which is business process outsourcing right. um, industry in the Philippines. And as we all know right now, the Philippines is the number one destination for customer support outbeating India and South America. Um, why, is, why is that, Marion? Help everybody understand why that is, because there are some very important reasons. If people don't know, you know, the Philippines alongside Guam and uh, places like Puerto Rico used to be almost a U.S. territory. 
Um, we've had the Americans um, occupy the Philippines for a little over 100 years. And so the city um, where I was born, called Angeles City, is where Clark Air Force Base, which used to be the largest Air Force Base in Southeast Asia, uh, is located. And so what that does is, because the Filipinos have so much strong American influence, the language, you know, they have a 97% literacy rate in English. Uh, you go to the Philippines, all of the advertising and uh, commercials that you see, they're all in English. Method of instruction in schools are in English. So what that, ha what that does for outsourcing is, you know, a lot of relatability for uh, the people working offshore with uh, American consumers. Yeah, there's, there's a, an issue, or there was an issue when, as an industry, we started outsourcing into India they were cost effective. They were actually highly trained. They were very intelligent, but they didn't have a natural affinity to the American consumer. They, their level of empathy wasn't where it needed to be. And what result, what resulted at not too long after that was that a lot of American customers were pulling back on, on doing outsourcing into India and the Philippines came up and provided not only a, a good salary base from a cost perspective, but also provided highly intelligent, highly educated English-speaking people that were empathetic. And it's, uh, it was really a great move. Absolutely. And one of the other things, too, is Filipinos are just innately hospitable. You, you come to the country and almost immediately, if you're a foreigner, there's this uh, level of hierarchy that they take on and they say, you know, you're our guest. And no matter what status they are, economic status they are, they take the shirt off their backs just to give to the guests. And so, you know, what that does for customer support and customer service is, you know, you have somebody that's very, very empathetic, somebody that's very, very patient, um, and somebody that can relate very easily with the customers. Right. Excellent. Okay. So, so what prompted the move? What did, what did you discover? Tell me, tell me what you discovered that, that you said, hey, wait a minute, there's a problem that I've got to solve. Right. So what, one of the things I, I did a lot of was, was fly to the Philippines and actually mingle with these agents. And uh, through learning how hardworking, I already know Filipinos at the core are naturally hardworking. Um, and seeing, you know, how much uh, the industry has grown, um, there's a lot of practices uh, that's almost predatory um, that's happening on the Philippine side. Because what's going on here is you have these foreigners that see the potential for uh, profit because of the huge margins of selling outsourcing from the Philippines, but in the United States, for instance. So you have these you know, foreign-owned BPOs that would build up these huge sites in the Philippines and employ a bunch of people and they're usually highly qualified. And um, like I said, they work hard. The problem is, you know, they're treated as numbers. Um, and, and as we know, especially with the way leadership culture is, um, if, if you don't value your people, what happens is there'll be a lot of, um, you know, uh, poor performances, miscommunication. Um, but what was really more bothering for me was the fact that um, a lot of these people were silenced. Uh, they weren't giving, given the voice. A lot of their, their own rights, you know, uh, what do you call this, are suppressed. Um, and all of this stuff actually became more apparent during uh, COVID 
where um, you know you hear of stories because in the Philippines they have to go on strict lockdown, and what that means is from city to city they are on lockdown. So if the BPO worker or the agents live in the next city um, and they have to cross over, they can't. So uh, what a lot, a good percentage of the BPO, I, I would say a good 80% of the BPOs did is they would force their agents to live during lockdown inside the sites. And what that meant was they would sleep in, you know, these cement floors with nothing usually but, but a cot or a, a piece of blanket um, and very little to eat. There's a lot of, you know, stories and news in the Philippines of uh, BPO companies being shut down because uh, they, you know, violated a lot of labor laws or uh, because they were forcing people to lock down in uh, these sites, uh, they would be a high infection rate. And again, unfortunately, being that it's in the Philippines, uh, not all of the stories are, are actually shared with, with the public. But because of my close contact and relationship with a lot of the agents in the Philippines, um, you know, I, I get to hear a lot of this. I speak the language. Uh, there's also a dialect called Kapapangan, which is what they use in the area where our um, company is over there. And so a lot of, um, I call my teammates, um, you know, could relate to me and they come from all these huge BPO companies and they say, I'm, I'm not going to risk my health. I have children or I have my old parents at home and I'm not going to, you know, risk getting them infected uh, just to get a job. Because guess what? Um, if they uh, leave the site or don't come into work to do the lockdown, um, they get relieved of their jobs and they lose their jobs. So that's Marion, help everybody understand for a second how big the industry is in the Philippines. Oh, I mean, huge. Like if you think about, let me think of a number, right? Um, we are talking in the tens of thousands, if of not employees. thousands, as far as people are concerned. Because what it is, is if you recall back in the 60s and the 70s, that's why we have a lot of Filipino nurses, Filipino engineers um, in the United States and across the world, like Europe and the Middle East. The Philippines actually has the, the biggest population of overseas contract workers. And that was before the BPO industry came about. Okay. Um, and so what the BPO industry has done, because they, you know, in fairness, you provide a salary that makes it, you know, um, makes the average family live comfortably. Uh, with a salary over there, uh, you know, it prevents them from actually having to go overseas and venture off and, and uh, work somewhere else. Um, so, you know, I believe like in the 70s, the 80s, the percentage of the Filipino population of overseas contract workers are, are probably, it's probably in like the 20% range. And so you can imagine the BPO industry kind of just taking over that statistic right now. Okay. That's that's fair. And then, then you also mentioned to me that that because of this, because of the uh, pricing difference, which which helps companies that want to outsource to these organizations, gives them a competitive advantage because of, of all of the reasons why a Filipino employee makes for a good employee in this area. You were telling me that there are a lot more of these organizations popping up every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as we get more startups, a lot of people are opening new businesses with, uh, you know, the dot-com boost and then now e-commerce and everybody's switching to online options. 
um, you know, more and more people are seeing the value in outsourcing. And I, I want to say that there's also kind of like a switch of, you know, over the times, you know, outsourcing, you know, has been kind of like a common, you know, thing with American uh, consumers. And so what that does is a lot of the businesses see the value of, you know, the margins that it brings of, instead of hiring somebody in the United States, they hire somebody in the Philippines for about 50 to 60 percent, you know, of, of the cost. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, you get the same quality of people, if, if not somebody that's more dedicated. Because like I said, in the Philippines, these are viewed as jobs that are of high value to the families versus over here, somebody that's entry level, you know, most likely because it's an entry level job, they, they tend to move up and, and, you know, move on. And what that does is, you know, attrition and the turnover rate gets very, very high on the US side. So if, if I'm reading this correctly, you had actually a few concerns. You had a concern of, of really, because you can't call it anything else, exploitation and injustice to human beings is, is one. Uh, you had a concern because you are Filipino that this was being done to your brethren. Mm -hmm. And you had a concern that if this is the world that your children are going to enter, it was not the world that you wanted your children to enter. Is that pretty accurate? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as a parent, your your biggest concern is the legacy that you leave your children. Um, and as a mother who you know, values being compassionate towards other human beings, um, you know, it's a very important thing for me to, to fight for. I've always been an advocate for injustice. This is why I have very strong ties with uh, the UN and a lot of uh, global advocacies. Um, but one of the things that I did notice is that, you know, because these people take so much importance and value in the jobs that are being brought to, you know, brought offshore to them by a lot of these foreigners that own the BPO companies, um, it's almost like they are expected to forego of, of their own rights. And, um, you know, when I think about my children, for instance, um, you know, the concept of having somebody, another human being, right, that doesn't deserve to be treated the same way or equally is frightening. Um, you know, I, I talk to my children every day about um, what goes on in the world. Um, and particularly, they're, they're very familiar with um, our efforts and my mission in the Philippines to change the very toxic BPO industry that, that started and, and is growing. So it's, it's quite a very ambitious mission. But I believe that if we inspire through, you know, the positive changes that we bring about and say, you know, and teaching, you know, particularly the Filipino leaders, because what happens is, you know, the uh, foreign owners hire these Filipino leaders that are highly paid, um, but don't necessarily care for their own countrymen because they're getting the higher salaries. So right. it doesn't matter to them. And, you know, the people in the bottom who are actually the ones that are working the jobs get the crumbs, right? Um, and again, are suppressed and um, not really cared of for and, and taken care of. So, so uh, when you found, when, when this struck you, all right, and I think we're going back, what, three years or so, three, four years, maybe when you, this really started to catch your attention and you really, and, and 
whatever power it is above us that controls us basically said, hey, Marion, we're going to give you your mission in life. You've got to do something about this. Did, did you go to the companies that were hiring these BPO organizations? Did you go to the BPO organizations? Did you I, go to the Philippine government? And what was the reaction when you went to these folks? Yeah, well, so there, there, was, there was a partner of mine that I worked with, and that's how I got a closer look with, uh, you know, how the BPO industry was operating. Um, and initially, you know, as an advocate, I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to be like a liaison between, you know, the U.S. team and the Philippines team, where, you know, I get to voice because I understand and Filipinos are known to be very, very meek almost. Mm -hmm. um, and they were taught not to speak up to their superiors and even more so the U.S. team. Mm -hmm. And so the difficulty is the U.S. team has a hard time communicating with them. That's another big problem that's very apparent in the BPO industry. Uh, but my, my power was be, to be able to bridge that gap and say, I come from, you know, this strong U.S. background because I practically grew up here and um, understand how Philippine, I'm sorry, U.S. business works and expectations. Um, and then I go to, back to the Philippines and I have the, you know, capability to relate to them to get them to speak up to me. So I, I went to um, a couple of the BPO owners uh, that I've partnered with and I've shared my concerns with them. That's the first step. You know, work very hard to advocate for a lot of, you know, there's instances of people getting cancer um, working for these BPO companies, obviously not at the fault of, of the BPO company, but like asking for accommodations and, and they would just be turned down. And so mm -hmm. just asking for a little bit more empathy from the U.S. teams and saying, hey, we need to do something about this very toxic leadership that's going on in the Philippines. And um, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or because I'm, you know, a woman of minority even more. Right. And a lot of these, you know, BPO companies are, are run by, you know, Caucasian men. Again, it was one of those things that was just slit under the rug. Um, and so after a year of trying to do that, I said, no more. I'm, I'm going to step up and, and I'm going to try and do it and show them what I mean about trying to change this toxic style of leadership and see what it does for these people. And so March of, of this year, I conceived Meridian Remote Teams. And uh, what we focused on are the people who have had a very poor experience, um, but years of experience. So we have teammates that are, have worked 20, 15 years in the BPO industry uh, but never were really given an opportunity to progress in their careers. And so, you know, the people that understood our mission, that we are here to help Filipinos improve their lives and change this very toxic leadership style in the BPO industry. I also have very strong influence um, in, the, in politics um, on the government side in the Philippines because I, I have a lot of friends um, and also, you know, family that, um, you know, are open to listening to my advocacy. So, for instance, in Angela City, I have been chosen as a spokesperson for the BPO owners over there. Uh, they are putting, putting a new law into the ballot, uh, which the, the mayor and the councillors are all discussing as we speak right now on, you know, what type of laws can they implement so that the BPO owners, especially during COVID, could be a lot more accommodating to their employees. Um, and that is something that I have been advocating for for, for quite some time ever since, uh, you know, I've uncovered a lot of these practices. So, you know, I think that with the 
the help of uh, the support of the government um, in the Philippines and saying, yes, we, we're going to start implementing some laws here to protect our people because we see a lot more people coming in. Um, and although we appreciate the foreign investment that's going in the Philippines, uh, you know, we don't want to forget our duty to our people to make sure that we you know, protect their rights. This is fascinating. You, you're talking about people who are forced to be contained because of the laws, which kind of makes sense. We understand what lockdown is all about. However, being forced to be contained in, in suboptimal conditions and quite potentially unhealthy conditions, yet here in the United States, over the past five or six or seven years, we've seen a growth of remote call center workers. Yes. What happened in the Philippines? Were they embracing that technology and that methodology or no? So what would happen is they would. So um, because, like I said, these sites were in the tens of thousands. So let's say if you had a huge you know, BPO company A, right, that had 10,000 workers, the ones that they can take remote, they would you know, allow for them to take their actual patients and you know, deliver them at their house and everybody would get to work remote. However, what's going on right now is that's only a small percentage because guess what? A lot of these um, contracts that they have have security, you know, um, guidelines that they need to abide by. And what that means is they can't work remote. Um, they're oh, not, okay. these EPO companies are not, they don't have an infrastructure or a virtual desktop that allows for them to securely log in to hold their compliances in place. And right. so if you have a 10,000 count EPO and only 20% of that is working remote, well, guess what? You still have the other 80. Correct. So, um, you know, there's a couple of them that are already declared bankruptcy this year because obviously they can't keep up with the demand and they have to let a lot of, you know, their, their accounts go because they can't manage because of the strict laws in the Philippines. But, you know, there's people like myself who I actually have experienced like an 800% growth because... Even pre-COVID, um, because of this toxic style of leadership that I saw, I saw an opportunity to build a BPO uh, company that's 100% remote. So because we started with that in mind, and we did that not because you were thinking, oh, there would be COVID. Um, I was thinking because what a wonderful opportunity to give these people the chance to work remote, who is someone like myself being a single mother who has children that she would love to take care of um, to be able to manage and balance that and have that flexibility um, at home. And so when COVID hit, it was just a perfect opportunity for us. And um, a lot of these accounts who were canceling from these huge BPO companies, you know, take notice and, um, you know, it's an option, right? Like, would you choose to give your business to somebody that you know does not have their values aligned with yours as a brand? Or would you go with somebody that is a game changer and that is bringing and promoting positive change into an industry that's long had uh, a very bad reputation? Well, the, the interesting question, because I love where you're going with this, the interesting question is, how can you economically compete with these folks? And you said to me the other day, Why you're not? competitive. You're competitive. Absolutely. Absolutely, because guess what? I don't have these super highly paid Filipino leaders that's, you know, layers and layers of leadership watching over, you know, the site and the teams. 
Um, I don't have huge million dollar or millions of dollars of infrastructure um, and equipment that, you know, we have to acquire just to operate. Um, like I said, we empower each and every household. We have a virtual uh, desktop that is secure with all the compliances in place already built into our business plan. And so what that does is not only am I saving our customers in the U.S. a lot more, so we're highly competitive, but we're actually paying our people a lot more uh, because we want to help them feel empowered, empowered in their job and at the same time have a sense of ownership in their role and saying, you know, this, uh, you know, one of our ads in the Philippine side is, you know, this is not your typical BPO experience. Like there are no bosses here because everybody here is, is a leader. So that's the kind of culture that we're promoting and it's, you know, done really, really well for us. Um, and, and I hope to encourage a lot more other uh, BPO owners to kind of take this style of, of operating. So it, it, it seems there's, there's, a, there's a few nuggets in here, but it seems like what you're saying is, gee, it's good business to encourage empowerment. It's mm-hmm. good business to stand up and do something about a problem that you see. It's good business to lead by example and there's emotional and social benefits on top of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a pretty interesting uh, success formula, if you will. Yeah, like our, one of, one of our uh, taglines that I've used for our websites when I first built it was, let us take care of your customers while you in turn help build our communities. Nice. Um, because that, what it's doing really is rehabilitating, you know, this very old toxic culture of leadership that's set in the Philippines um, and encouraging, you know, empowering the agents themselves um, and um, hopefully the BPO owners to take on this style of leadership. Well, this, this is fascinating. So Marion, what would you tell folks that find their blood boiling when they hear this story? What would you tell them to do from a business perspective? Do your homework right? Uh, There are a lot, talk to the agents, uh, demand to talk to the agents, demand if if you're able, I know COVID, it's hard right now. The Philippines just announced that they are opening up to uh, foreigners come, I believe, November 1st. Um, I I happen to have my dual citizenship, so I'm able to go back and forth. But, you know, when you are surveying um, and looking for the right BPO solution, talk to the actual agents. And, and see how they operate. Look into uh, the government. There is a, uh, a website for DOLE, uh, which is the Department of Labor um, and Employment in the Philippines. Um, and you can find, these are public records of the violations of each and every BPO company uh, that is operating in the Philippines. Um, but another thing too, that's a really great point, is add yourself to a lot of the Facebook groups uh, that are BPO, where all the BPO agents um, gather. Uh, so you can have kind of like a non-biased, unscripted, uh, you know, um, feedback of how these BPOs are operating before you even sign up. And size is usually a big indicator of that. Um, if a BPO company is too large, it means they need numerous layers of leadership to be able to operate effectively. And unfortunately, because of the way leadership is in the Philippines, um, that's when a lot of these types of problems come about. 
So what, when, when somebody wants to go to Facebook and find one of these uh, BPO groups, what, what would they look for? What would you they search for? Philippine BPO. Philippine BPO. Philippine BPO. Or at Philippine Outsourcing. And you'll see a bunch of different groups. Um, and, you know, I, and some of them, I see some foreigners going in there and doing their homework. But then, uh, yes, that's the during COVID. Um, but if you have the opportunity, look, outsourcing is, is a huge investment, right? Like you, we all know that it, it can give you huge returns if you invest in it. But I always like to tell my customers, outsourcing is an investment. It's a big investment um, because you're investing in a team, which in turn would be your own team. So why not make the effort to go out, uh, visit and explore another completely new country that maybe you haven't visited before, get to know the people, get to know the culture, because um, it's a win-win, right? You, you get to explore, you know, the country, you explore the people, you have a deeper and better understanding of the types of people that you, you will be employing. Uh, but at the same time, you win these people by, by showing them that they mean that much, you know, uh, to you and that you're investing that much into them, um, that you're interested and want to get to know them and accommodate them. So, um, you know, that's really, if you had an option, my top one would be go fly to the Philippines, get to know the people, you know, hear the stories uh, from the agents themselves, and then make a decision. If you can't do that, go join the Facebook groups, um, you know, be incognito for all I care, and, and just ask. Uh, a lot of people are honest about their own experiences, and, and they can pretty much tell you where to go and who, who would they, you know, recommend uh, for you to take on as your next BPO partner. Do your homework. That sounds like good advice in general. Wow. Yeah. So, Marion, this is, this is great. Um, greatly, greatly appreciate your sharing the story, but also appreciate just the fact that you care about these kinds of things and you want to leave the world a better place, especially for your children. How can folks follow you? How can they learn more about what you're doing? Sure. Uh, well, you, you can go to my website. It's uh, www.meridianremoteteams.com. Um, or you can follow me on LinkedIn under Marion Belandra. Um, there is a series of videos um, and content that I uh, have released about some of the common problems that particularly startups who are scaling uh, and looking into outsourcing, you know, come across um, and some solutions to those same problems. Um, and, um, you know, if you find that you have a question, feel free to ping me. I'm, I'm very open. Um, this is one of the things that people know about me is I'm, I'm very open to helping other people regardless of if you, you intend to sign up for business or not. All right, everybody. There you have it. You have the offer. You have the situation. You have the solution. Marion, thank you so much. I think I'm going to ask you to come back in a few months. I want to see how you're doing with this. I want to see um, if the world changes as we, as we crawl our way out of COVID, which is really what we're doing, unfortunately. But I want to see if things get better. But I do want to keep track of, of your work. And again, thank you. Listeners, I hope you found this one interesting. Go do something about it. And go hug your kids. Take care, everybody. It was great spending time with you today. Maybe you liked what you heard. Maybe we sparked some controversy. Maybe we got you excited. But hopefully we got you thinking. Hey, we want to hear from you. If the topic resonated with you, if you have a comment, or if you have an issue you're serious about fixing, reach out to us today. 
hey, Brian, how can they get in touch with us? Great question, John. Best ways email. Email us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we're going to help you make small adjustments that's going to lead to major impacts in your business and your revenue.